As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96FM. Cabinet's meeting at the moment, as you heard there in the news. And if we do get any more on the various categories of one to five and where we'll fall in, which is probably category two, and what will be in that, I'll certainly bring them to you during the morning. So uh, stay across that. We'll let you know what category we're in. It all kicks in at midnight. I see a couple of things emerging as the various ministers go in, looking like Dublin will be at a slightly higher category than the rest of us, but not a full category higher than the rest of us. The polls won't be opening in Dublin, for example. On Monday, then numbers for weddings, it'll be gone from 50 to 100 for the rest of us. There'll be some restrictions on households. We're going to keep an eye on it during the morning, so if, if we do hear anything solid uh, breaking from Cabinet, we'll, we'll go there ASAP. Also coming across uh, during the morning, we will touch on the question of the day internationally in the scientific community. Is there somebody out there? We think there might be somebody out there. You know, we might be somebody. Yeah, I know. We'll get to that during the morning as well. But first of all, it happens every year. We've been talking about it since we were children ourselves. The weight of school bags. Now, Shirley, uh, don't name the school right now. We do have a statement from them. But I'll wait till we get to that. Um, how big a school bag is your youngster dealing with? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad. It's twenty-two pound without exam papers or even a lunchbox. Now they took the lockers out of the school for over the COVID and over social distancing. They're too close and all this business. But I can't understand. There's a big gym up there. They could be separated out. There's plenty of ways of putting the lockers into the school. Now, on that note, I've been on, five years ago, I, I was on to the school over skirts, the same school. There, He's after Bannon, the girls from wearing skirts, or from wearing pants, sorry, which right. is sexist. The same school now is going on years and years and And tell years. me, is there, a, is there a trousers in the girls' uniform? Anyway? There was. There was, right. And he took it out actually five years ago. Why? No. What reason was given? No, we. I, as I say, I wrote five years ago, I'm still waiting for him to run me back. Never run me back. There's children cycling to school on skirts. They're passing workmen. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's sexist. That's what it is. And the girls, or the boys, 
aren't allowed earrings, but the girls are. What's that? What has that got to do with education? Well, do you know, Shirley, there have been school rules since I was in school and since you were in school. They'll always be there and they don't always deserve explanation. But I mean, there's school rules and school rules, PJ. Well, everything that's going on in the world and this is what you're dealing with. And there's no speaking to this man. I remember he was a fellow meeting me up a the, phone call. Yeah, I remember meeting a, a teacher regularly as we were going in in the morning and yeah. he wasn't complaining about being late. He was complaining about the length of my hair. Do you know that's grand, but I mean, this day and age. No, going back to the sacks and the buses. Yeah. There's one bus passes down this way that goes up to that school. Now, there's four or five buses at the same time. There's one goes up the hill to the school in question. Mm. Now, my daughter's friend gets on in, in the city and she's texting my daughter before it even gets to Douglas. The bus is full, go back home. This is with a 22-pound sack on her back. Yeah. So she's coming back. I'm getting taxis. I'm not the only one. Just, just start with the bag, Shirley. The bag the itself, tw- 22 pounds. No, 15 it's, kilograms, yeah. 20, 22 pounds. No. Yeah. Obviously, she's got a timetable. She has right. six subjects a day, and some subjects have two and three books, PJ. Right. And they're a ton weight. And do they not have decided what book they're going to be using on that they're particular using day? Them, if they bring home three books, they're using the three books. But you see, they have to keep their books at home, so they have to bring the three in to bring them back to bring it tomorrow's book. Right, 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 right. So, you know, so even with the timetable applied, yeah. oh, she's yeah, got definitely. 15 kilos this, of, of this books. Because I went through her sack myself, and this was the books that were needed for school yesterday. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's a joke. And then for no bus to go up the hill, I've been on to bus Aaron. They told me to get onto the school. You're talking you're talking school. about the bus, the local bus now. And is there a bus stop near the school? It's there's a bus stop right outside the school. There's one bus going up there and there's nearly six there's over six hundred pupils between the two schools that are there. Right. And there's one bus goes up in the morning and a half as days. And you're wasting your time even going out to get it. And is there an actual school bus service or is that just a public there's bus? There's not. That's just the, the, school, uh, the public bus, this bus area. And I have been onto them. I mean, there's four or five stops outside where I'm living. Yeah. There's four or five buses stops there, but there's only one goes up the hill to the school. I'm blue in the face. I'm not the only one. There's p- parents getting on and trying to get a conversation with that principal is just like gold. Do you have a parents' can, association? There's an ad. You could be ringing morning, noon and night, leaving messages, yeah, 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 and you get nothing. Yeah. Are and there masks? About, have, have, yeah. Are they having to wear masks? That's another thing. They're wearing the masks inside in the class. Their throats are dry. It's six and a half hours. There's, there's a couple of them have cold sores. You get over that. Oh, I'll have to wear them. But at lunchtime, they're allowed out in the yard playing soccer. No social distancing, but the masks are off. So who are the masks protecting? Is only in the classroom? Is that just to protect the teachers? Well, sure, we're all told that indoors is where we need to wear we the mask. Are. But they're all playing soccer. There's more of a chance of someone spitting a new playing soccer than is sitting in a classroom, PJ. I'm sorry, no. They're sweating, they're running around, they're pushing off each other. But there's no masks needed there. Who's but being protected? Who do you think? Do you know what I mean? They're protecting each other is what the masks are. They're, prote- they're t- protecting the teachers. Well, the, doc- they're the, the doctors they're tell us they're protecting homework. each other. They're doing their homework at home. And they're sending pictures to the teacher to correct that the teachers aren't touching the copybooks. What's it all about? What do you think it's all about? It's all about protecting the teachers. What about the students? But the masks protect the individual student as well, don't but they? But then at lunchtime it's not. 
But you know we don't I mean? have to wear them in the open air as of yet. But I... they're playing with they're playing soccer. Mm. Is what I'm saying. They're all yeah. sweating or whatever they're doing. They're running around. But it's you up know, to the I mean, teachers to stop that if they don't want that going on. It is. But I mean, do you know what? I, look, it's the whole act. The pants, the, the sexism that's going on is ridiculous. How do the girls right. feel yeah. about that? They absolutely hate it. One girl got a petition and gave it to the teacher and there was no more done about it. Now there's another girl who has over 4,000 signatures. Go back a bit. When yeah. when the, the rule was, you said there used to be um, a, a trousers. There was a trousers and, for the school and the ru- five years ago. And the rule he, got changed. Why yeah. was it changed? He just, that's, I, nobody knows. He just got it in his head. No skirts, girls aren't wearing skirts. And you I know a no couple trousers. of mothers that have went up. Yeah. Or no trousers, sorry. I know a couple of mothers that have went up about it and got absolutely no satisfaction. And the school jacket. There's plenty, I know one friend of mine, her young fella, started a couple of years ago and they didn't do the jacket in his size. Right. And she was, she said it to him, I can't, what am I supposed to do if you don't do a jacket? He was only a small little thing now. Do you know? So she said, he don't do, what am I supposed to do for the winter? He doesn't wear the jacket in the school. He have sent people home for over jackets they have to wear the school jacket yeah, that, I, thought school that, jacket. I, I was hoping that home was dead and gone but it's not of course obviously that's absolutely ridiculous not everybody can afford it the price of the uniform it's hard enough to get the uniform without a jacket an ordinary plain jacket do not wear it in the school if you have a mark on your, pa- on your shoe a white little mark a blue little mark go home plain black do you know what I mean? Come on, like. Yeah. yeah. He's gone too far and you cannot talk to him. Well, There's I mean, no way. There is no parents' association. I, I would suggest setting one up, Shirley, if there setting isn't one. one. Sure. Look, I never met that man. My child's not there. No, I mean, yeah, but no, but I mean, you know the yeah. other parents, surely. Set up a yeah. parents' group, I'd say. Set up a WhatsApp yeah. group with, with the parents yeah. and, and you know, the strength in numbers. Certainly with regard to the, the weight of the bags, that's been there since I was going to school. Well, I'm saying... Look, there's a lot of iPads and stuff in school. Every child has an iPad and a computer. Do you know, one way or the other. But it's absolutely ridiculous to be carrying that sack and to go up to the bus stop and no bus there. Yeah. And coming back again. There should probably be a a school bus. And paying for taxis then. Every single morning. And then the child's late for school because the taxis have other runs and whatever else. Do you know, it's a joke. That's, the whole school is gone. Is, is a disgrace. Well, I suppose if a bag is a stone and a half, that's an awful lot to be hauling up a hill, which is 22 pounds, it's a stone and a half. Uh, they're upset about the, the why the trousers was done away but for the girls. I, I've no idea. But And then the boys aren't allowed to wear earrings. That's as old as the hills. Charlie, leave it there. Thank you for not naming the school. We're going to see if any, any other stuff comes in about this. But I sense that they will, because thanks, Charlie, because the, the complaints every year about the weight of school bags you always get them school bag and oh, and the uniform rules school coats like there were only 20 quid before you put the crest on then they're 40 Mag says similar situation regarding lockers in my daughter's school but for that reason all they're allowed to bring in every day is a maximum of 9 copies one for each class her school bag hasn't been as light since junior infants. Take a breath, Shirley, take a breath. Mary says, I'm not a young one and I'm long gone from school, but this debate happens every September for as long as I can remember. Uh, so 40 odd years. So why can't anything be done about the situation? Wheelie bags are great, but they don't work if you're cycling. And that needs to be encouraged as well. Kate says they should be encouraging people to play sports. Obesity is a huge problem in the times we live in, and the need to exercise. She's getting carried away. This is about the kids wearing the masks in the class and taking them off in the playground when they're playing soccer. 
Dylan says it should be all gone digital now. It's a huge waste of money, time and strength with all the books and the bags. Why hasn't it been done is the question. Well, Dylan, we've been over that one too many times. You couldn't do it across the board in one go, which is the way you'd be having to do it. And plus, you can't write on an iPad. You, you know, you can't write on a, on a pad and you have to learn to write because exams are handwritten still, not typed. Dylan, yeah, Slough, ah, sure. £22 is £22. There's no school allowing books that heavy. My young one's in third year, has a box beside her desk as lockers aren't allowed. That's a good idea. I've heard a lot of schools doing that. But that then cuts the space in the classroom. But trust me, on the bags, they, they do be a stone and a half and, and more sometimes. 1850-715-996. Louise also got in touch with us. She's next. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. Culture Night Cork City 2020 will take place on Friday the 18th of September. This year's theme will be Connect Through Culture with an increased focus on virtual and online events. A feast for the senses, this year's event promises to be a festival of colour, theatre, music and food and a celebration of Cork itself. Full listings are available on culturenightcork.ie If you have an event you would like mentioned Email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, we did contact the schooling question that Shirley is talking about, and they gave us a statement explaining themselves on a few levels. Uh, I'll come back to that one. Uh, Caller says, you can write on an iPad and on many laptops, too, with the appropriate equipment. I'm sure you can, Caller, but, you know, we're not quite there yet. Uh, Hi, PJ. They're downtown at lunchtime anyway, mixing with different schools. That from Jerry. Anna asks if Shirley has been listening to the news for the last six months. People have always things to complain about. Just get on with it. It's the new normal New normal is a horrible expression. I was probably one of the first to use it, Anna, myself. I don't like it, but you can see why changes have been made, but not everyone's going to like it. And the weight of the school bag has been a complaint long before the pandemic. And I would love to know why, in 2020, girls would not be allowed to wear trousers going to school. I, I would like to know that. Now, Louise, also, you sent us a picture, Louise, of your daughter's school bag. Morning. Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Hi. Now, what, what weight did you make of it? So, um, yesterday, I suppose just to start off, yesterday would have been the first day that the children were in school, in secondary school, with all their textbooks and their copybooks. Right. So, um, and also just before I start, look, we have, I have nothing but admiration for our school and I want to acknowledge the work that the school staff and the teachers and also the pupils, credit where credit is due, have done in these very difficult times in getting ready for going back to school. Yeah. Um, but yesterday, we were getting ready for school and I have two children in secondary school. My son is in first year and my daughter is in second year. And we did notice that the bags did look exceedingly big compared to last year yeah. or the six months in secondary school that we had last year and when we weighed my daughter's bag who's in secondary school it came in at 21.2 kgs kilos now or pounds kgs now that's, I have that's, the photograph. that's three stone well that exactly now you wouldn't be allowed to get on a flight with it 
<laughs> so when we went through it and when we kind of skinned it out, this was the books that she needed for the day. Now, as I said, yesterday was Monday. Now, my son, who's in first year, his bag was bigger than that. And he's actually on crutches because he fractured his heel just before he started first year. Right. Now, that's no fault of the school, obviously, but it just adds to the difficulty of getting in and out to school. Yeah. And his bag was heavier. Now, when he came home yesterday, when we took out everything out of his school bag and we laid it out on the table and when we took had taken out the full water bottle, the lunchbox. Now, it's a normal lunchbox, PJ. He's not going to school with a three-course meal. And you took out the pencil case and everything. He had six subjects yesterday, what we would call... He had no practical classes. So it was all, we say, academic classes. Oh, bookwork, yeah. French, Irish, history, geography, maths. And I think there was one class where he didn't have a textbook, which was social class. And when we, the way we do it, which a lot of people do it, is we have these large zip envelope folders. So you keep the textbook, the copybook. If it's a language, you might have a dictionary. But again, like the lady before me said, for a lot of subjects, they don't just have one textbook. They might have three textbooks. Now, these are quite considerable considerably big books, PJ. Yeah. Not Louise, big. I can remember having three or four textbooks for English. Yeah, back and in my, but the teacher would always say, right lads, tomorrow bring in your play or tomorrow bring in your poetry book. Yes. A bit of planning now, there is all it takes, you know. Exactly, and a bit of organisation. Now, I do fully appreciate, in our school, we have had the lockers removed and I completely understand why that's happened. It's yeah. happened for health and safety regarding their touch their touch zones, so their high contamination zones, if you have a lot of children touching them. And also because our school has initiated a one-way system to give more space in the corridor, the lockers had to be removed. And what we've done here as a family is, and I'm sure a lot of people have done it at home, I have two plastic containers, one for each child, and they're, for all intents and purposes, they're lockers. So whatever you don't need for today, whether it's graph work graphs or whether it's a heavy textbook or a subject you don't have, then it stays at home in the box. But when we took everything out and we put in just the subjects that he had yesterday, that was still coming in at 12.4 kgs. Wow. No, that was without a water bottle, that was without a lunchbox, that was without even a pencil case, that was without right. some copy books. So, no, I did email the school and not complaining, yeah, PJ, that's, because that's I knew that's just about two, that's, a, that's really close to two stone. Yeah, and I just wanted to bring to their attention that since the lockers have been removed, that the weight of the bags have increased. And my suggestion, and this was one of the reasons why I contacted yourselves, because I think the conversation that took place in our house yesterday morning before school, I think probably the same conversation took place in a lot of homes regarding the increase in the weight in the bags. And one of the suggestions I've made is, why can't they leave the textbooks at home? And we'll just say for French, for argument's sake. If you have three French classes a week um, and you're going to be working on, we'll just say from page four to eight in your French book for the week, why can't those pages be photocopied, click together and each child get a photocopy at the start of the week? That way in the class, the child has a photocopy of the pages they're working on for the week and a soft copy book. If, which will inevitably happen in my home, the pages go missing, I have the reference book at home. I can then either bring it to my library or somewhere that does photocopying and I can photocopy the pages. Yeah. But the, 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 the bulk of the weight, which is the textbook, is being left at home. Yeah. Um, also the fact 
that the lockers were removed because they're a high touch zone. You have textbooks that are being, today now the kids have gone off to school, the textbook is going to be taken out of the school bag, yeah. it's going to be placed on a desk, it's yeah. going to be read or referenced back to, it's then put back into a school bag, it's then taken out of the same school bag when it comes to my house and it's placed on my kitchen table, yeah. it's worked on, then it's put back in for the same thing to be repeated the following day. So from a hygiene point of view, would it not make more sense to leave the heavy textbooks at home? Now, as I said, I know we're not an electric school. They don't work off iPads. We can't be the only school in the county yeah. that has that situation. Not, not every school, to be fair. I love the iPad idea. I'd love the idea of a tablet so computer. I, for so but not every school is set up for it. No, so. and it's not practical. It's yeah. Like, from a financial point of view, I'm sure that's, that's very expensive. Well, and not well, well here's the thing, Louise. If the Depar- I've said this before. If the Department of Education was to approach Apple or Samsung or, or any one of Huawei or any one of these companies that mm-hmm. make a tablet computer like an iPad or a, a decent size and said, we're going to buy several hundred thousand of these, that would reduce the cost dramatically. So the cost doesn't need to be an issue if every, cho- if every child got the same one, but not every sure. school is set up for it then. No, no, they're not. School out in the middle of nowhere doesn't have broadband, for example. Exactly. So, so there has to be, now like I said, I do find, like the school have done great work and in preparing for the kids going back to school, I think they've been outstanding. And again, like I said, I think the pupils have been outstanding, they've adapted to yeah. this, yeah. Um, you know, new returning back to school, which hasn't been easy. But I do think maybe there was just a little lack of consideration when it came to, okay, okay you have a pupil coming into school, they have six subjects. There's at least one textbook per subject we need to address the, the waste issue. The and oh. also, can I just tag on regarding the skirts? I yes. have the same problem with my daughter. Yes. She hates wearing those skirts. She wants to wear trousers. She wore trousers for, I'd say, the last three or four years in primary school. Yeah. And when we moved into secondary school, I had to revert back to a skirt. And what reason is given? Is it that's just the I rules? I don't have a reason. It's just the rules. But I just think from, look, even from a practical point of view, this time next month, we could be heading into colder temperatures. I wouldn't wear a skirt and a pair of tights in January walking out. So why is my daughter expected to wear it leaving yeah. home at half past eight in the morning? Yeah in a skirt and a pair of tights. I don't understand why they can't wear trousers. Um, you know, it's just an issue I think that could also be addressed. I, I think it's a very commonplace one, Louise. There is no I explanation so. in 2020 no. for forcing young girls to wear skirts at school. There is no explanation, other than them the rules, like. Exactly. It's no explanation. Louise, thanks a million. 1850-715-996. Karen says, uh, my daughter started first year uh, they used iPads. I personally think it's brilliant. No heavy textbooks. All she takes is her copies for every class. The bag is lighter than it was in junior infants. And that's great when it works out. And says to some teenagers are on a first name basis with their chiropractors at this stage. I'll come back to those. John, you reckon that there's a vested interest going on here as to why we can't just ditch all these school books and move to pads. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. I just have a, to make a comment here in relation to um, the government are pushing digital. Um, the CAO offers, um, I got nothing in the post for my daughter. Uh, they forced you to go online. They forced you to use the digital technology. Um, so when it suits them, they cherry pick, they, they, um, they use digital technology. And then all of a sudden, they're going steps backwards in relation to school. Just to, um, in relation to a point that you made earlier on about the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the iPad. 
you can write with the iPad. I have no experience on it, but I was speaking with a lady recently yeah. who has her son and he uses it in school and he writes with a special pen. Okay. Uh, also, the Surface um, 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 Pros or th- th- that line of them, um, you can also do it. Now, bear in mind, they are expensive, but you mm. can do it, right? Um, so I'm with you in relation to um, the, the, the laptops. I think there's no excuse for, like, all the kids should be able to get, their, to get a laptop with all the books already on it, all set up by the department and as you, you well know, the, the books you see you talk about the people talk about publishers needing their cut as well like yeah. if you give the child the appropriate computer tablet laptop whatever and the parents buy the books I mean the books still need to be bought you can't have books mm. for free they still need to be bought you could still download the books to the laptop could you not well, that's what happens. I mean, I have a situation where one of my one of my kids has, um, they, they, so they have to go up and buy the book. They get the book, then they, they, it's like a lottery ticket. You 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 rub off this code. Yes. Then you download the app belongs to the publisher onto the laptop, um, and then you, you you're able to put the that God book works. on the laptop. Yeah. So you have one print at home. I I, I really don't have a, a look at the, if they're going to continue with that for the time being. Fair enough. At least it's making you know steps forward. Yeah. But I find that um, basically, and then what happens is right. You have loads of different publishers, so you have, you're working with loads of different apps. It's crazy stuff. What should happen there? You should have one app that they all agree to use, mm. um, and that the child can open up the app and find a book. He's trying to remember which app for which book. It's just, it's kind of, it's a half-baked effort again. And I just think the Department of Education are mm. so far behind with technology. Now, Kevin, and just, Kevin points out that if they can do this in Cantork, where one of his goes, his yeah. kids go, then they can do it anywhere. There's no excuse for, for urban secondary schools. And, he, and he's, he's got a point there. Well, you see, the thing you mentioned earlier on about being online, in the internet, you don't need internet because once, all right, fair enough if you have it at home, because obviously you, initially you need to download the books yeah. and, you know, you might get homework on Google Cloud from, but I mean, you don't need huge internet speeds to get to download homework probably from Google Classroom, you know what I mean? They're not huge files. But the pads would have the book as a, as a download, it's there, you don't need to be online to use Correct. it. Yeah, yeah. Correct. So once it's on it, and the same with the, so I actually think the surfaces are, are better because I think the iPads, personally, I think they're a bit small. The screen is a bit small. I find the surfaces are, 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 are better for it. Um, and again, you get a special pen. Bearing in mind now, PJ, the pen alone is €115. Euros. Well, you see, there's not, right. I, I don't think there's anything wrong if you have a good pad or a good yes. laptop um, and, and everything. Oh, there's no problem with a few copy books and a, and a biro. Yes, exactly. No, no, there's not. <laughs> we can I mean, still... And, and you know... Do you know yeah. something? Sometimes the laptop can get broken, so it is probably no harm. And like you said, the pens, the pens are a hundred quid, and then some morning the pen hasn't been charged, or they've forgotten <laughs> the pen, or or the pen is broken. Do you know? There's a, there's, exactly. there's that it's, too. It's just the ways of it is is is, is, is yeah, the issue. Yeah. But I do think that I do, I'm, I'm with you in relation to. I think they can easily find a way if if, if the will is there. Um, I just wanted to ask one question, PJ, if you don't mind. Fire away, mate. Um, just in relation to the leaving cert, have you heard or does anyone know of any um, solicitors or laws that are taking on the um, Department of Education or lining it up to, to, for the well, leaving cert? Well, I spoke last week, John, just as the CEO stuff was about to come out. I spoke to David Brown from BDM Boylan about how okay. it would be for people to, to take an action against the department. And he warned me it will be complicated because this is a year like no other. There's no pen or there's no paper to re-examine and all of that. Okay. But, but legal action, it, it can be taken if you're not happy with what you've been given, yeah. 
Yeah, I was, I was, what I was hoping for was that there was a, a lot of students who would have got together and went in as one. I haven't heard anything about that yet. If you're going to, if you're going to the courts, it's going to be an expensive um, yeah. process. So, so you know, as a group, if it's okay, Peter, I just said I put it out there. If, if, if anyone, great talking to you, John. I'm sure you've put it out there. If anybody is thinking, thank you, John. If anybody is thinking of taking an action against a school or a group of schools because of this or of the CAO then maybe maybe let us know. Monica, uh, the weight of the school bags has always been an issue. Every September, I get at least one first-year student with a bad back. They have to get physio or medication. I suggest textbooks should now be in binders. Then you take the pages you need. And with regards to the skirts for the girls, it's ridiculous and it's sexist. There should be a choice. Uh, just wondering in these schools that Girls can't wear trousers. Does it apply to the female teachers, asks Mary. A very good question, Mary, to which I don't know the answer. Maybe somebody can tell us. PJ, my son, who has started first year and wants to cycle or walk to school, as his sister did before him. But due to COVID, he doesn't have a locker. That's totally understandable. His bag weighs from 17 pounds up to 23 pounds without his lunch or drink. He can't balance on his bike. And it's cruel to make him walk two kilometres each way up and down a big hill. He's a very fit child from sport, but is unable to manage at 12 years of age, carrying something as basic as his school bag. The traffic is crazy, a lot more than before, but in my circle of friends, we're all driving our secondary school kids to school. It's totally unnecessary when they can make their own way. Uniforms have always been a problem, but this is down to business, as to discontinue it would put many small businesses into closure. Thank you. Uh, Chris, second, re- level, second level, doesn't need a load of copy books. Couldn't they use A4 jotter pads? Do the work and notes on that and file their pages by subject into an A4 po- folder? Great idea. Or Polly Pockets, Chris, super idea. I was doing that in the 90s. Can I not put everything online, says a caller, like universities, on apps like Canvas? Screen time isn't ideal, but for the year that's in it, etc., etc. Year is work worse this year because of the lack of lockers. Couldn't textbooks be left in school? Take a photo of the pages needed for the homework. Uh, when looking at schools for my daughter, I took the rules on uniform into account. Parents should know about the Equal Status Act, which states that girls can't be made to wear skirts on the grounds of their gender. The act is nearly 20 years old. I find it crazy that girls are still being made to wear skirts. And then, this one, I'm going to throw a spanner in the works, but I think rules are good for children. Many workplaces and sports have a dress code. There are rules and laws in society for all our sakes. And the younger the children learn this, the better. That was bound to come in. And a lot of people will agree with it. I'll read it, read it a second. This is about the skirts rule. This is about the bags, hair, earrings, jackets. This is what it's all about. This comes in all the time. And I'm going to see what you think of it. I'm going to throw a spanner in the works but I think rules are good for children. Many workplaces and sports have a dress code. There are rules and laws in society for all our sakes. The younger the children learn this, the better. 1850-715-996. Cork's 96FM is now streaming even more music choice. More music choice. Check out the Hit Mix online for fresh new music. Keep on dancing like you ain't got a choice. And stream the all-new Fit Mix for your workout. <laughs> Listen on your phone and smart speaker. Turn up the volume. Or go, go, go to 96fm.ie. This is Cork's 
Gold, Imro award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Quick travel update. The fog has put paid to the Downriver Ferry. Uh, let's off now because of dense fog. Doesn't look so foggy here over the city, although you can't see the airport. But the Downriver Crossing ferry has been suspended until further notice because of the bad fog this morning. This, the, the school that uh, Shirley's youngster is going to, and we've chosen not to name the school because A, they did come back to us, we're quite gracious about it, but B, this is in every school. This is in every second school that you find. So there's no point in calling one out on it in particular, but they say, we've made significant changes this year to the operation of our school to protect the health of the entire community. Some of these changes are inconvenient for parents and teachers and students, but are necessary due to COVID-19. We issued a comprehensive information document for students and parents in August explaining those changes and have responded to all queries from parents. And then they go to explain lockers. Uh, They explain their timetable. They only operate six classes per day. The average number's of books required is six books on two days, four to five books on two days, and two to three books on one day. Students can use softback copies or a refill pad to minimize weight. In previous years, students are being a similar number of books to and from to do their homework. Uh, the weight of school bags is an issue for all schools. This year is no different. We're actively considering the introduction of digital devices to eliminate the need to carry textbooks. That particular statement doesn't address the issue of forcing young girls to wear skirts in 2020, which bothers a lot of people. Ten years ago, it didn't bother people at all. Now it does. Times change. And I saw that legislation that someone quoted well ago in the UK. Somebody used that to very interesting effect. To the, they used that in the UK so their son had the right to wear a skirt to school because he wanted to. But I don't see that happening here. On the person who said rules is rules and we need them in life, Kevin said they're fine as long as they make sense. It brightens my day for the future when teenagers throw the odd spanner at authority. Last thing we need is another... Oh, Kevin, I'm not going to use that word. I refuse to use that word. You know me better than to put that into a tweet. I don't use that word. Another generation of, shall we just say, uh, what's, what's the word? Compliant followers. Okay, I won't use that word. 1850 No, it's not a course. I just don't like using it. 1850 There's a school bag image on Twitter. Let's open it there. Uh, wow. Yeah, this actually, um, my colleague in Waterford Radio, Damien Tiernan, um, has put up pictures on his Twitter this morning of a child's shoulders that have been scraped by a school bag by an 18 kilogram school bag. 18 kilogram. That's the bones of three stone. The child is 12. So clearly, we've always had problems with the weight of school bags. But with COVID-19 and no lockers, it seems to have gotten a lot worse very quickly. Could you have electronic school books? We'd like to think you could. But it's been tried. It hasn't always worked. Maybe that has been tried hard enough. 1850 We should all now at this stage be used to wearing the mask 
in the shop or wearing the mask on the bus or wearing the mask in the public office or wearing the mask anywhere basically that you're asked to wear them. See a lot more places up now that don't want you coming in without a mask. I haven't yet seen a no mask, no service sign anywhere. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen that just yet. But is it to be a mask or is it a face shield? Because recently the science on face shields has cast a bit of doubt over how useful they are. Louise contacted us about face shields as opposed to masks, because I think you're a bit concerned, Louise. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Good. What's on your mind? No, you know what, um, PJ, at the beginning of the year, um, I started a, a training course with CCAD, um, you know, going into healthcare, yeah. um, not knowing that, you know, this whole pandemic was going to kick off. But just before we went into lockdown, we were to start our first module, which was infection prevention and control, which was a brilliant model, uh, module to do as we were coming into this, like, unknown territory. Um, you know, and being doing the training for the healthcare and doing the, you know, finding out about the viruses and bacteria and, you know, your microorganisms and stuff, it just kind of, you know, it gets me a bit because a lot of people are misinformed um, and not everybody is doing a healthcare training, you know, in, in this day and time. You know, there's only certain people that are doing it. So... You know, we, we certainly discuss it as a group, um, you know, things on like at the moment we're doing health and safety, but we certainly discuss as a group and then we see everything from a different point of view. And we are now on the, the, the subject of face shields yeah. and how, you know, I, I totally understand people. I mean, I put up a Facebook pay, uh, post yesterday and I got uh, quite a lot of backlash from it. Um, you know, just a lot of people saying, well, if we want to wear shields, we can wear shields. And, you know, um, the HSC have said that shields are okay. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. I think the thing is, is see, Louise, where people are saying that is that the, the regulation, such as it is, says covering. Yes. So if you actually look at what the covering, so if you go and Google face covering, face covering is a cloth or material that covers the nose and the mouth. Mm. So and it, uh, uh, the nose no, um, you know, spitting, spits or anything uh, uh, can come out of it. So that is what a face covering is. And if you look at the guidelines on the HSC, it's all about face covering, how to wash it, how to put it on, how to take it off. It's all about that. Then there's a little section that says, if you are incapable, so you are physically cannot wear a mask. So I don't know, you're either, um, you know, it, You've got asthma or so you've got a physical reason on why you can't wear a mask. Then those people have been said, please, you know, you can use a shield, but you need to be aware of the shield. So if you are caring for somebody, you've got to remember that that shield, whenever you're talking to them or whatever you're doing, that spit that you are spitting out. And it's, it's when you talk, it's when you laugh, it's when you sneeze, it's when you cough. That all comes out and it just drops below you. Yeah. So, you know, um, and a lot of people that deal with, you know, the, the children that, um, special needs children or deaf children or hard of hearing, they lip read. 
so I totally understand. And I'm not, and you know, what we're trying to say is that face shields, it's not that you can't wear them because they do protect you. Face shields do protect you, but they protect the wearer. Um, and they protect the eyes. That's basically, so a shield, uh, a face shield is normally used in a dentist because the dentist is using, um, high pressure. Water. You yeah. know, water and stuff. Yeah. And that, that will then take the droplet yeah. and it will, make the molecule, you know, a lot lighter. and But you'll see your dentist will still have a mask on. Yeah. And, you know, when you're wearing a shield in ICU, which is where they also use it, they, you know, if they're ventilating someone with COVID or they're doing suction um, on someone that's had physio with COVID, they will wear a shield to protect their eyes, but they're also wearing a mask. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, and I, I, like so many people have said, oh, my GP says that it's okay that I can just wear a shield. You know what? If you want to wear a shield, by all means, go ahead. But shields need to be worn with masks. Yeah. Yeah. You see, we've had call after call here, Louise, since the very start of the, the regulation from people mm. who just feel desperately uncomfortable in a mask. People, like I you know. said, with, with, with asthma, who, who, who feel that it, it makes breathing difficult for them. I spoke to a GP about whether people can get an exemption and he said in, realistically the number of people who physically need an exemption is quite small but that's not what listeners say. They say I can't wear it for this reason, I can't wear it for that reason and the face shield they see as a good alternative but scientifically it's not as good. No, so you know and I totally agree with that. I hate my mask. I hate my mask. Yeah. And half the time, I will go right to the shop door and go, oh, I have to go all the way back to the car to get it. So I totally understand what people are. And I, you know, mm. but which is why we've now gone, um, there's something online and I've actually ordered them. I'm just waiting for them to arrive. So it's from a company called Bodhi Teachers. I don't know if I'm saying it right. It's B-O-U-G-I-E, Teachers. And mm. what they've now done is they've got a mask. They've created a mask that, it's cloth on the top and it's cloth on the bottom. So it covers what it's supposed to. But in the middle, it is a, like an a anti-fog perspex. Oh, I think I've so, seen those. Yeah, I think I've so seen those. That is absolutely brilliant because that thing takes away from, the, obviously, the people that need to lip read. I mean, I, I we went to a coffee shop the other day and the lady was, um, she was a foreign lady, so we could not really understand on the best of times. But now she's got a mask over her face. So she had to stand back yeah. and pull down the mask. So I totally, I mean, I, I have to see people's lips when I'm talking to them. So I know the masks are not, are not nice. And I know that they, you know, some people will say, oh, but you're sneezing into, and, you know, you're protecting others. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. We, we, the, the argument could go on forever, Louise. Some people just do not like wearing them. Some people absolutely mm. refuse to wear them. I have yet to see a shop or any kind of a premise is going no mask, no entry. And I think until such time as we do that, we won't have the real compulsory nature of it. But like yeah. you said, the face shield, it's it's grand, but it's not the same. And people yeah, need to know that. Yeah. Well, it's just that I'm not saying it doesn't protect you. It does. But, but not it enough. Protect, but it doesn't protect the people around, around you. you. Yeah. Um, you know, like I went into, I'm not going to obviously say what shop it is because they're all, they all do it, but the shops are wearing the visors. So the shop assistants and all the shops are wearing the visors. So why can't people wear the visors? 
But, you know, the shop I went into now to get a coffee, their visors are halfway up. So yeah. everything, you know, she, she's packing the bread and she's talking to her colleague next to her. And all of that that, that, that she's speaking is all falling down onto on the bread. The bread. On top um, of the bread. You know, and it's the same as a lady. You know, it's, I mean, she thinks she's doing the right thing and, you know, she's wearing her visor. But she was leaning over to get the cream from above the milk and she coughed. Yeah. And a visor, you can't cough into your elbow with a visor. So you just cough because I'm wearing a visor. But all gotcha. that cough that she just coughed is now all over the milk all below it. Yeah. Louise, for no reason other than time, I'm going to leave that one there because you've given people a lot of food for thought. Thank you very much, Louise Van Baldren. Um, she's got a point. People are wearing the visors as an alternative to the mask if they feel they can't wear the mask. A lot of people are very uncomfortable in the mask. I hate the bloody things. I've said it more once and say it again. But they're not the same. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96FM. A bit of sad news this morning from the world of the arts, of music and, and film and sound in general. Just the, the use of sound, the craft of sound, and the, the art of sound. The passing of a man I only, only ever met once and, and briefly, so he wouldn't remember me in a fit. But Gunther Berkus was a bit of a legend in the arts in Cork, particularly in terms of sound and sound creation and the, 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 how sound works in many different shapes and forms. And uh, he passed away uh, last night, I believe, after a very long battle with multiple sclerosis and by all accounts he was a lovely man a very pleasant man, a very knowledgeable man uh, and a guy who made a real impact on the arts in Cork for many, many years so uh, rest in peace, sad to hear of the passing of Gunther Berkus or Berkus as he just preferred to be known 1850-715-996 text to whatsap 083-396-9696 the email opinion at 96fm.ie twitter is at opinionline 96 with the hashtag OL96. And of course, you can contact us through Facebook, the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. And send us a message, Marcus, if you would please, for the attention of the opinion line. Loads of stuff to get back to. We've had a message from Kaz on girls being forced to wear skirts in schools. I must get to that as a matter of course or a matter of importance. We're still watching to see what comes out of the Cabinet briefing with regard to the new zones or the new five-point plan with regard to restrictions and COVID-19. Uh, we're going to, uh, thanks, Fergal. We're going to talk to Kaz about the enforced skirts in schools. There is no good reason for it in 2020, is effectively what she's saying. Uh, school bags, we've had a couple of messages about that. But I want to go to Mick Barry TD, who's going to raise uh, in the doll something we talked about yesterday on the show. Do you remember we had Stephen on? He's a doctor, and he was out for a walk on Saturday afternoon in Dublin, his first day off in a fortnight. And he came across this anti-mask, anti-restrictions rally and he was upset about it and bothered by it and intimidated by it. And he gave us a magnificent eyewitness report of what he saw. Uh, Mick Barry, uh, Solidarity TD for Cork North Central, is going to raise the subject of these protests in the Dáil. Why, Mick? Good morning to you. Good morning to you, PJ. Well, essentially for two reasons. Um, first of all, um, you have this debate about the wearing of masks, and I want to give 
a perspective from the point of view of people at work um, because I strongly believe that the anti-mask message is an anti-worker message. Um, I remember uh, back in the April-May period of the lockdown, um, the bus drivers at Capwell Garage, during their break, uh, they lined up uh, as a group um, in solidarity with their colleagues in London, who at that stage, more than 30 of them had died as a result of COVID-19. So you wear a mask and you step on a bus, that protects your bus driver. You wear a mask when you go down to your local shop, that protects the person walking behind the counter. The anti-mask message is an anti-worker message. And if you believe in workers' rights, you should wear the mask. There was a large crowd at that protest in Dublin on Saturday. Yes, there was, uh, and it was... We've had some uh, smaller ones now in town here. We had one over by the library a week or two ago. Yes, there's been, there's been demonstrations of up to 100 uh, in Cork, but there's been demonstrations of up to and over 1,000 uh, in Dublin. Now, I think a lot of the people who are going on the demonstrations are people who are frustrated um, with the restrictions. That's understandable. I think they've also been rightly angered by the hypocrisy of the political establishment, for example, Golfgate. you know, telling people what they can and can't do, and then you have Golfgate, yeah. right? But the point that I will be highlighting in the doll, and I think uh, something that shone through, or was implicit perhaps in Stephen's report, which was a tremendous report, is who who is behind these protests. Many of these protests are now being organised by groups that uh, I would describe as the extreme right. Uh, They've been involved in uh, racist campaigns. They've been involved in homophobic campaigns. And now they're trying to latch on to discontent over the coronavirus restrictions. Well, I'm sure that Uh, particular organisers would probably hold up and say, no, Mick, that's not true. I'm sure they would, but, you know, uh, shine a light on it uh, and look at the facts. I mean, the the first big demonstration in Dublin, you had uh, well-known far-right organisers from Germany uh, traveling over to assist in the organization of uh, the march. Yeah. And if you look at, I mean, Stephen spoke about how he was uh, kind of shouldered on the demonstration uh, on Saturday. Mm. That that's, um, There was worse things happened. You can look at the video online yes. of yes. the LGBT activist, uh, you know, over many decades on a counter demonstration outside the doll being physically assaulted. Uh, a chap with a tricolor uh, wrapped around a big stick. Uh, uh, her face was bloodied and she spent the night in a, in a hospital. And it's not the first physical attack that some of these uh, organisers have uh, carried out. I, I actually... saw another video taken outside Leinster House where somebody was filming a gathering and a member of the gathering got very agitated about it and one of them brandished a, a flag with a two-by-four inside it. Yeah, I think I saw that video as well. So the majority of people who are going on these demonstrations are ordinary people who are frustrated with the coronavirus restrictions and who are angered at the hypocrisy of the political establishment with double standards. But they need to be very clear that in many cases, the organisers of these protests are extreme right-wing groups, uh, fascist groups, to be uh, uh, blunt about it. 
they need to be called out. Uh, I intend to call them out if I get the opportunity in the doll this afternoon. No, and more bear in mind, you can name people there. You can't name them here. Yeah. <laughs> well, more, more importantly, uh, PJ, I think that... Do you uh, intend to name them? I haven't written my speech yet. Okay. Um, I, I'll be speaking on this. It's not going to be a once-off, okay? Uh, but I'm going to introduce the issue um, uh, uh, in the doll today. And uh, I'm going to raise an alarm here. There is a, an urgent need now for people who are activists in the workers' movement, who are activists on the left, who've been involved in campaigning on anti-racism and pro-LGBT rights issues, to come together and to have an urgent discussion about uh, how to push back against this really sinister development that's beginning to raise its head. Okay, okay. What time are you... Is it on topical issues, Mick, as it is? It'll be on Taoiseach's questions. Taoiseach's uh, questions this afternoon, yeah? yeah? Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. We'll see what, uh, what response you get. Uh, thanks very much. That's Mick Barry TV, Solidarity TV for Cork North Central. And Stephen, I think, did we... we I think we podcasted uh, Stephen yesterday as a separate podcast with regard to what he saw at that event on Saturday. It was kind of scary and he certainly felt intimidated by, by what he saw on Saturday and when I was down with the Debenhams workers at their event a couple of weeks ago marking their 150th day there was a group around the corner by the library and someone later because I had been at the Debenhams one someone sent me the video and I watched a video and honest to Christ, it was an hour of my life I am never getting back. And I sat there with my head in my hands going, Mother of God, who let them out there? But look, it's out there. It happens. And we can just ignore it and move on or get bothered by it. Uh, face shields have been shown not to be an effective protection for COVID, says Jared. They're just not a substitute for a mask. Carla was in the supermarket two weeks ago. There was a woman there coughing quite badly. She didn't have a mask or a shield or anything, and coughing into her hand and then picking stuff. Oh, my God. Picking stuff up. When she passed me, I asked her to put on a mask. She roared at me, saying she didn't have to. But she was clearly sick with something. So how is it fair that she could even go in? Her partner was wearing a mask, but he took it off to give out to me as well. 1850 Jerry says in China they wear goggles and a mask. They do in some places. And I think at the start of this, and I found it, I suppose people were scared. I found it mildly amusing. I remember queuing up in, to go into Aldi at one point. Um, I can't remember what it was for, but when we were only going shopping for essential items, it was more than likely food uh, and stuff like that. But there was a woman standing in front of me in the queue, maybe two metres in front of definitely two metres in front of me in the queue and she had, for all intents and purposes now, a hazmat on her and she had uh, a mask and she had gardening goggles and honest to God if you'd given her a biplane she could have gone and flown it, she was that well done up and people were very scared back then if only people were a little bit more cautious now, I think we'd be in less of the mess that we seem to be headed in parts of the country like Dublin. 1850-715-996. And again, if we do hear anything solid on the five sets of restrictions, we'll bring them to you. Uh, speaking of masks and shields, what I hate is people wearing masks but pulling it down below the nose. It's as good as not wearing one at all, says Anita. Yeah, the chin strap. Oh, the, oh, the, oh, the nose, really? Oh, yeah, they're very fun. I, 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 I just, I despair. You see the fella there with the, with the, with the mask and the, and the nose poking out. 
in front of it. It's like waking, it's like opening your fly and walking down the street. <laughs> or the one down the chin strap. Like what? Where's the hatch you're holding on? That's pretty stupid too. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Let's go back to the leaving start because last week I spoke to Rory. I spoke to him twice. I spoke to him before the predicted results came out on the Friday. And then I spoke to him on the Monday when the predicted results did come out. And when they came out, he was quite happy. Fast forward to the CAO on Friday, and I don't think that Rory is as happy as he was. Linda's his mom. Linda, good morning. Hi, Peter. How are you? Good. Have I summed it up there? Um, you almost have. When he got his grades on Friday, um, you probably would have been able to hear he wasn't completely happy. His yeah. grades were very much buoyed by an A1 in art that if he hadn't got, he would have been totally decimated. And he, if I remember correctly, did say that he thought that they, his grades seemed a bit lower than he was expecting. He would have been absolutely happy to take them if they'd reflected the grades that the school had given him. Yeah. But they were massively deflated um, in his academic subjects on what the school recommended, on what he's been achieving over the past number of years, on his junior cert results. And when I put it into a chat, his peers, his colleagues, his the people in his school are absolutely exactly the same. It's absolutely horrifying. I mean, so in other was, words, what happened was that, he, that when you got the, the grades or he got the grades that his teachers had actually put into the system for yeah, him. Yeah. And then the system got them and they mashed them up completely. They did. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, he was taken down across five grades and it resulted in a material drop in three grades, which was a loss of 30 Explain what that means for me now, Linda. It means that his percentages were reduced in five subjects, right. but only in three of those subjects did it mean that there was a grade drop. And the grade drop is where you lose the points, obviously. So he oh, lost. Oh, I've got you. Yeah, he lost thirty-three points. And if he'd got those thirty-three points, he would have got both his first and his second choices in college. He didn't. He got his third choice. If the grades hadn't been inflated across the board generally, he would also, on the points that he did get, have got his first and his second choice. But the combination of grade inflation and the disproportionate. Um, removal of grades really um, across private schools seems to have left him and many of his classmates and friends at a big disadvantage yeah. and that's not fair. There's a lot of um, kids from the private schools and from mm. the so-called grind schools seem mm-hmm. to have taken a hit because they were put into the mathematical model that they normally didn't get put into, isn't that right? It is, yes. It's the first time that schools haven't been marked anonymously. Every single year, schools are marked anonymously and um, they get their grades based on whatever the mark is. Um, this year, um, when school profiling was removed, the school profile profiling, I suppose, it considered the track record of the school for the past three years um, and it would have been um, a backup check, really, to check whether the teacher was justified in giving out... Um, the marks that the teacher was, uh, sorry, that the school was justified in giving out the marks that the school was giving out. And when they removed that, there was supposed to be no profiling. But what's after happening now is the algorithm has actually delivered reverse school profiling. um, And it certainly seems to have landed um, on the students. Um, Just from my own observation, who would normally be in the high 400s to the mid 500s, um, in private schools, that seems to be the people paying the price for this, um, Mm. which is very, very unjust. I mean, there's people in his school 
in, in the in the comments that I got, like there's kids who are down marked down in eight subjects and lost fifty points. They're downgraded fifty points. There is children who are down in six subjects. Um And remember but, this is done by a computer. It is done by a computer, but there's still there's something wrong, you know. I mean it's the first time this algorithm has been run. Um and you'd expect the load to be spread more evenly, you know. That's really that's really where the problem is that the that the hit seems to be concentrated on a particular demographic, which is unjust. Mm. Now, I suppose it'll be very hard to prove, if anyone ever can prove, that they decided to, to, to hit the private schools. That's how it looks, though. Well, yeah, but, you know, it mightn't, it mightn't have been a decision, but it's certainly a result. Um, so that's what we have to deal with, um, how it what, happened. Why, what, what's why he going to do now, Linda? Um, well, I think like all of them are in a position where they had a particular path in mind, and they're going to have to find a new path. You know, mm. um, which is would he do the sit- would, would he sit the written paper in in November? Um, the, sitting the written paper is a different challenge altogether because they've missed out on school; they haven't completed the curriculum. And my fear, certainly, of sitting the written, written paper is that you won't get the results that you would have got had you sat a regular leaving cert or had this. School profiling, which I'm going to call it, had not happened. You know, um, my fear is that if you assist the, the leaving cert in November, um, you won't get the marks you would have got. No, he's not going to sit that himself. He's going to get on with things. Right. So he's going, going to do um, economics, I think, is it? He is. Yeah, yeah. He will. He will accept economics. We we absolutely, definitely will appeal um, the results that have been given that, that have been given here. It's not fair on the teachers either, because at the outset of this, um, you know. People were afraid of the marks that the teachers would give, and we were assured by the department that the teachers were professional. And even in a letter yesterday, you know, it said that due to the nature of the calculated grade systems, professional judgment of the school is outside of the appeals process. And all we want them is to pay better attention to the professional judgment, you know, of the school and the teachers who who taught these these kids for the last six years, who kind of know them better than anybody. Mm. Um, so. Um, Certainly, we will we will appeal um, the results, but that takes a long time, and there isn't any guarantee that you'd get um, your higher preference choice, particularly um, in subjects where there hasn't been extra places put on. You know, like lab sciences and that. Um, there's no no guarantee that you'd get your your um, your choice in time yeah. um, to start this year. Now, look, the call inevitably comes in, and here it is. What about people? who can't afford a private school or can't afford a grind school and suddenly getting places in Trinity College based on genuine results? Um, it, I mean, I, I don't... Good luck to them, first of all, OK? I mean, good luck to everybody who did better in this exam than they expected. I know mothers whose kids have got 550 points and they do not know where those points have come from. Um, they never got results like that before. Um, they're not in private schools. Um, and that's not fair either, you know. I mean, taking from one person um, to just give to another um, and leaving leaving the leaving the other end, you know, disadvantaged is a complete swing of the seesaw, no matter how you see it. And it's also penalising the children for decisions that the parents made. You know, nobody should be dis- all the disadvantage should never fall uh, on one segment. Um, and in this case, it has. That seems to be the problem. I mean, good luck to everybody who who has got about ball that they you know that they can run with it and and use it but that doesn't mean that another sector of society should just basically have been punched down to the ground you know it doesn't say good things um about 
a society if it was a conscious decision um, or an algorithm if it wasn't. Um, yeah. And it, it doesn't. Well, the algorithm had, to be, algorithm had to be written by somebody. It didn't write it, itself. It Yes, exactly, exactly. And they're the sort of questions that need to be asked. The school has said that it is asking questions of the department and it's not getting clarity. And that in itself is worrying because, you know, transparency um, should always be there if things are um, if, th- if things are to be trusted. Mm. I think what a lot of people are learning, Linda, that they didn't know before mm. is that the results that your school gives you, whether they're calculated or whether they're an actual exam result that you do yourself, they don't necessarily reflect what comes out on the piece of paper on I the 7th of September. Hmm? Um, I Well, sorry. Um, a lot of people didn't know that. I'm saying. No, I did know that. And I'm, I'm also aware that every single year, because my mother's a teacher, um, and my mother would have been somebody who would have got, you know, sometimes almost half of her class would have gotten um, A's. And this year, half of her class wouldn't have been able to get A's because they would have been put into the national curb. Um, so that's just seems very wrong. Yeah. But I, I do know that when the, t- when the papers have been corrected um, generally every year when they have actually SAS exams that um, they're, they're normalised to bring them in line with um, every other year mm. um, as they go along like there'd be meetings of the teachers of each different subject um, if the results were either too high or if the paper had been too hard and the results were too low to adjust the marking scheme and deliver a balanced result so that the points weren't all over the place you know, in terms of college admissions. Mm. Um, I, I do know that that happens, but that, is, that happens on an anonymous basis. Um, every year the schools are marked anonymously and this year the way the, way the um, results have ended up, um, certainly there's a, there's a severe pattern among the disappointed contingent. Yeah. Okay. And our best to Rory, and I hope that when he does decide to settle on the economics, that it goes well for him. And thanks very much, that's Linda Fitzpatrick. 1850-715-996. And we're getting a lot of calls. Whoa. Maria, my son was downgraded in subjects. He's been consistently getting H1s and H2s in since he started secondary school. What is going on? Hi, James... Hi PJ, same situation here with my son in the same school. His calculated results reduced every one of his eight subjects. He was downgraded in five with an 8% adjustment in some. He lost three H1s with a reduction of almost 50 points. He's been offered his eighth choice by the CAO. It's impossible to reconcile this whole thing with him. Down in all six subjects was this caller, resulting in three subjects been downgraded, 10% in one subject total, 33 points removed. Lost his first choice by 10 marks. Totally gutted. My son lost 33 points. In one subject, he was downgraded 11. Another 8, another 7. Losing grades and his choice in college. Okay. Uh, line 3, is it? Fiona, good morning. Yes, hi. Hi, morning. how are you? Good. Now, what happened? Well, um, we, we got our, our points awarded calculated grades um, quite disappointed um, in them um, and so we just decided we'd hang on and see what the um, estimated teachers grades were just to see you know yeah. and you know it was just incredible he lost 33 points this one okay in three strong subjects in chemistry he was downgraded 11.1% okay one he went down a grade in biology he went down seven points. He was downgraded from H2 to H3. In business, he went down eight points. He went from H4 to H5. He, he lost, he downgraded in everything. Everything. And all his um, 
friends, they've all downgraded. I haven't heard one friend, one person who has been upgraded. And so then I talked to the principal and he's absolutely, he can't figure it out. You know, he spent all weekend looking to see if he can see any sort of rhyme or reason to what's happened or, you know, any pattern. Um, Like, I know what they've done is they've levelled the playing field, basically. Okay, so they've upped schools and they've downed schools. Mm. They've downed the private schools and the grind schools. They've just levelled it. Mm. Um, Now, I'm all for everyone, you know, getting their best and doing their best. But they might as well not do the Leaving Cert in school, if that's the way. Do you know what I mean? They might as well just say, okay, sixth year, here we go. We'll just give you all the grades, you know. It's just very unfair. Do you think year. what very it is, unfair. Fiona, is that, you know, we, we've always kind of known that this happened, but because there isn't an exam paper to actually go back to, it's it's yeah. being exposed now. Well, I think what I, I think uh, the problem here is the process and the process isn't transparent. That's all we need to know. We need to know the process. OK, the process of how this was calculated, how it was done, and you cannot find out. That's what we'd like to know. You know, how was this calculated? That's what I would like to know. Yeah. Who wrote the algorithm and what was in it, in other words? Yeah, just yeah. how it was done. Just yeah. tell us how it was done. That would, that, would, that would make everyone happy. Just make it transparent and you cannot find out. Yeah. What's, what's, what's he going to do now, Fiona? Well, he, he didn't get his first choice. So that was UCC. And then we hoped he'd get his second choice. And that was a Limerick. Now, that went from 4.18 to 4.97, I think. So that was out. So he's got, he, he's got his third choice, uh, which he, he didn't want at all. He just put it in. He filled in the CEO because he was hoping to get his, his... He was hoping to get his first, but he was definitely thought he'd get his second. Yeah. So, you know, they go on on the radio about um, pupils getting between their first and third choices, and it's fantastic. Yeah. But it's not fantastic because their first choice is what students want. It, yes. it, there's a great spin going out there. I mean, I couldn't believe that there was nothing in the media. You know, I don't know where it's gone. It's buried, you know. About, about what? About no. just the, the, the points being downgraded. You know, all the students that have been affected, yeah. you know. Well, you see, these are the kind of things that usually take a day or two to come out. Like, the first of all, you had the calculated grades published Monday. Then you had the CEO offers Friday. And then we get the actual grades given to people yesterday and here it is you're on the radio today that's kind of how it works but we're absolutely inundated with messages from people who've had this this kind of adjustment in their mark and are very upset about it yes absolutely i mean it, it, it just tell us the process tell yeah. us the process tell us what happens tell us how it was calculated and that would help a lot you know yeah no, listen, thank you very much for talking to me, Fiona. Cheers. 1850-7159. I hope her son, you know, he'll have to kind of settle now on his third choice. There isn't a first choice for everybody to get theirs. That's just the fact of the matter. No, in, in no year does everybody get their first choice because there just aren't enough places for everyone to get their first choice. But this year it seems to be gone bananas altogether. Jack is on WhatsApp. Hi, PJ. Six of my subjects were reduced... 33 points lost, missing my first and second course. No one in my school or anyone that I know has not been downgraded like this. My son's results went from 95 to 89, 92 to 89. So that's two H1s down to two H2s. 
So he's down by 24 points. At 89, he was just below the H1 threshold. So that just takes the H1 from him and takes the points. Caroline, Bruce College student, downgraded, got my third choice. There's a lot of us out there. My son has been marked down in all seven subjects and missed out on his much-wanted course. This is devastating for students who worked so hard and so long. We are flooded with calls and messages about this. People were delighted on Monday when the grades were so good. And on Friday, loads of people got what they wanted. But it is always, just when the dust settles a little bit, uh, hello, hello, look at this. And once one person goes, hello, look at this, others say, oh yeah, me too. So what we've got now is a load of people coming forward saying, well, actually, my grades are adjusted and my future's been screwed. Paula says the only thing we've got from the government explaining the algorithm is a 205-page document, which is mostly crap. I think that probably sums it up. 1850-715-996. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. For the first time ever as part of Culture Night on Friday, audiences in County Cork of all ages, here and abroad, can seek out culture at home or in their locality, interactive online stories, aerial dance performances, concert tours and demonstrations by going to culturenightcorkcounty.ie and find out more details. Access all areas. Ye Vagabonds and Cormac Bedley are collaborating on a new nationwide tour and are set for two performances at Tristel Christchurch this Saturday evening. These should be two shows to savour, taking place at 7.45 and 9.30pm with further information at triscalartscentre.ie. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Culture Night, Cork City, Friday, September 18th. Enjoy free events from physical to online to hybrid. See culturenightcork.ie. On Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 On Cork's 96 FM. Kate points out with regard to Fiona's call. She says it isn't in the media, and yet here she is on the radio about it. Well, I think, to be honest with you, she's just upset by it. And, and yes, that is how the media works. Sometimes it takes a day or two for things to trickle down. And trick, trickle isn't a word. They've opened a floodgate of stuff here. There are pages and pages of texts with WhatsApps coming in. This seems to be happening across the board with young people who've been downgraded. We've yet to come across anybody who was upgraded from what their teachers awarded them. And listen, if you did and you got what you wanted, then the best lessons are gotten you and good luck to you. But a lot of people very badly affected and very upset about this. For years, we have been encouraging or trying to encourage young people to get into politics. And we have always bemoaned how few young people are actually in politics. Now we've got young TDs like James O'Connor for Fianna Fáil in, in East Cork and we've relatively young TDs up and down the country but very few actual really young people 
um, without the exception, like James, for example. And recently, uh, Task got together with the National Youth Council and had an event called Reclaiming Politics, encouraging young people to go into politics and maybe discussing with them why it is that they don't. And one of the people who was at that event is Amanda Atwell. Now, Amanda produces the Boxed Out podcast and is interested in politics and is interested in young people becoming involved in politics. And I think, uh, Amanda, trying to answer the question as to why do they don't, why they don't. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Great altogether. Can you get a tiny bit closer to that phone? Yes. Can you hear me now? That's much better. That's much better. Now, I mean, as, as, so, as, as a person interested in politics, do you ever ask yourself why others don't get into it? Yeah, um, I just think politics generally just seems very, very far away from young people. Um, it's not really presented to them, you know, in such a way that would, like, um, entice them to, to get involved. Um, like, usually, you, you see politicians as, like, older, um, older people. So it's... You know, it just seems very, very far away from this generation. And I think what a lot of people um, don't realize is that even the lingo used in, you know, traditional politics and ever and whatever, it's very, it's just very distant. And I feel like there's a disconnect then when it comes to young people trying to get involved. It just seems like a game that they were never invited to play. So they just kind of tune out from the beginning and never really, you know, get started. They're allowed to vote. Uh, at the age of 18 and you, yeah. I, I think you're I, I'm not too sure do you have to be 21 to, to stand for election that I don't know um, I'm not too sure of yeah. that either I just know the vote yeah vote needs 18 but we're very very we've one, one or two very young TDs but yeah. beyond that none yeah yeah that's 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 another thing like the lack of youth representation in politics it's it's a huge thing and I think um, it just comes from the misconception, of, you know, on the part of young people that they just can't be involved in politics or it's something that doesn't involve them. But they're not interested? Or, um, I, think, I think they are interested and I feel like, um, you know, they are interested in politics, just not um, in the topics that are being discussed. Um, over the last couple of months, we've seen young people, or not even just a couple of months, um, a couple of years, really, we've seen young people you know, actively get into activism and actively get into politics, but um, they don't realise that the issues that they are actually talking about um, are that, that that is politics. Yeah. Um, I think it's just they don't know that. Yeah. You're talking things like climate change and Black Lives like Matter and housing action, all those kind of things. Exactly. They are they are actively involved in things that actually concern them. But I feel like, um, you know, what is being discussed a lot of the time. Um, in traditional politics, it just doesn't concern young people at the moment, or they feel like it's something that doesn't directly affect them. But if topics are introduced that actually, you know, give an incentive almost for young people to get involved, then mm. they 100% will. Well, if you just take what we're talking about here on the show for the last three quarters of an hour, is what's happened yeah. to young people with their, with their college grades in this yeah. computerised system. They're very annoyed, so are their parents. It is a political issue. It is, yeah. It is, and I think it's just learning to see um, what politics actually is, or, or teaching young people that you know those those everyday things that actually affect them. That that that's what politics is. That's what makes the politics. And even on the topic of of schooling, even with third level education, tuition fees and um, price of accommodation, these are all things that directly affect young people. That yeah. you know they're, they're not being discussed. So if, if these are the things that the politicians you know bring for young people and say we're gonna like this is what we have for you, this is where 
you need to like, you know, speak up, they 100% will. So it's just creating a space for young people, I think, within Irish politics for them to have discourse or for they feel like they can actually input and, you know, contribute towards. I have a daughter who's in her early 20s who's quite interested in, in how politics works. She, listen, being my daughter, she'd have to be. But, you know, she always says, well, the decisions for young people are being made by men and women in their 40s and 50s and 60s. Yep. Yeah. And they don't come and talk to us. So how do we encourage more people to get involved, Amanda, do you think? Um, I think just making it like very, very clear to them that they're needed. I think if, if young people feel like they are needed and that they are wanted, you know, in that conversation, then, then they will join and just creating incentives, actually addressing issues that directly affect young people, that alone will spark the interest from, from the get-go because we're not going to get up and go out and vote for things that we don't feel directly connected to. Like just even using, for example, um, reality TV shows, young people get so invested in reality, <laughs> reality TV that they will pick up their phone and spend money to vote for their favorite contestant or whatever. It's because it's because they feel invested in it, because they feel like, you know, this actually it might not like affect them, but it's, they're interested in it. So it's just creating that same kind of feeling. I feel if we can create that same kind of, you know, passion almost for um, young people and feel like, for them to feel like their issues are actually being talked about and actually being addressed. Is there a um, way that the mainstream parties can can help here, particularly yeah. by putting more young people on the ticket, for example, when it comes to election time? Yeah, that would, that would definitely do. It's not even, I think it's just modernising politics, really, because I think it, it just de- generally feels very, very far away for young people. Um, just presenting it in a different way and just showing them, you know, a new way of like just showing a new way of of doing things and um just involving them a lot more it could be in in any way like putting young people on um on the ticket uh digitalizing politics a bit more um you know because the last couple of months we've seen how powerful social media and the online world has been to drive different causes so that can be the very very same for for things that affect young people here in ireland so i think it's just en- finding ways to engage them finding ways to involve them and yes, what struck me as talking to you, Amanda, was and and I don't know what age you are, but but what what I will say is a lot of when I was covering the general election back in February, and that involved spending two two and a half days in a town centre, I was yeah. astonished by the number of young people there, really yeah. interested and really engaged with the process and how the counting works and and how transfers work and all that, really really engaged. They're engaged at that end, but how are they not engaged at the other end in actually getting the votes? Um, see, like, okay, the things with the town centres, again, it's, it feels more personal. So I think when it, when it then comes to things of like general elections, um, young people are never directly targeted. Um, they're never directly, you know... Um, you know, involved almost. Yeah. So then there's that's where the disconnect um, begins. And like, like I said, the policies and the issues, like even just going through the last program for government, there are no issues there that actually directly affect young people. Yes, they talk about um, public housing and, and um, the homelessness crisis, but they don't actually talk about, you know, the students and the student accommodation and, and the tuition fees and, you know, things that actually you know, will gain the interest of young people. So um, I think it's just having conversations that will actually um, invite them to the, to the table, I think. And 
Um, just personalising politics a bit more and showing them that it's not just some faraway thing. It's not just, you know, a group of people gathered up at, at the Oireachtas. Like, it's, it's politics is what happens every day yeah. and just helping them to see that and explaining what it, what it really is. What's the, role, just what's, it down. what's the role of school in this, Amanda? Caller here said, look, I'm at work, I'd love to participate, but I think it has to start in the schools. Yeah. Um, but yeah. there is a subject in the schools, isn't there? Up to junior cert, um, it's touched off. I think in CSE, yeah, um, but not enough, in my opinion, because I came out of secondary school not knowing the difference between the doll and the Shannon, not knowing um, what even happens, not knowing n- anything really to do with. Like, um, did, did you know, for example, how a piece of legislation goes from an idea to a law? No, no, no. not at all. You We're should not, be learning that, that in school. Exactly. We're not we're not taught that. And I think a lot of people arrive at the age of 18 never really um, having an interest or never really being involved in any kind of politics. And it just continues that way. Yeah. And, and going then, through your class in CSP, like would, would, the, would, the mem- would the people in your class, the 20 or 25 people or whatever in your class, would they have known what constituency they lived in, for example? More than likely not, to be honest. More than likely not. And that's why I feel like repackaging politics and presenting it to young people in a fresh way um, is what will actually gain their interest, and that's what where the focus needs to be. I think capturing their interest at, a, at younger ages, and so by the time they get to eighteen, you know they already they're clued in and they know what's going on in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Because let's face it, so, some of the you know, I was talking last week to a lad called um, Atakan, and he's studying politics in in UCC, and he's only twenty. I think, and he has intentions now to get into it at local at local level. We need more people like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I, like I said, it's just um, just creating incentives really for younger people, and they 100 percent will. And um, mm. they're more than more than willing to, you know, to, to, to get involved and to actually um, pr- get about and produce changes for things that actually they feel mm. passionate about and things that actually affect them. So if we um, just create incentives for younger people, they will 100% get involved. Are you in favour of quotas? Um, this is a tricky question. I, I, I wouldn't... I, I, for the for the English, for now, um, I'd say if it's necessary, if we have to, if that's something we have to do, um, then then so be it. But um, it shouldn't have to be that. It shouldn't. We shouldn't have to have quotas for either for young people or for women or for whatever. Like it should just be. Um, it should be natural, but if that's something that needs to happen, then uh, by all means, if that's what we need to do as an as you know as a society, then let's yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because quotas, you kind of say, well, you don't want to be a token either. Exactly. Yeah, and I think by having quotas, yeah, the people in those positions then doubt their, you know, how valid. Um, am I here because I'm good, or am I here because I'm the number on exactly, the list? Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. It creates other issues, but I feel like just for for starting things off or just to get the ball rolling, if that's what we need to do, then um, so be it. Even just for the representation, just for young people, seeing other young people involved in politics, I think that will do a lot. Okay. Listen, Amanda, I'm going to leave it with you there. Your podcast is called Boxed Out. And I must say, very interesting and a lovely a bite-sized length of 27, 28 minutes. Excellent, excellent. And you'll find it on Spotify and all the other platforms. Thank you, Amanda. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Interesting uh, response to Amanda. Amanda Atwell talked about young people getting into politics.
there is now a politics subject for the Leaving Search, but not available everywhere. And as she said, the bit of CSPE that they did for Junior Search, most people couldn't have named their own constituency, didn't know the difference between the Dáil and the Shannon, and generally was wasted on them. So if you're going to teach people about politics, you need to ver- need to start when they're young, and all of that. John Maher, Councillor John Maher, says it took me some time to stand for election. There are many factors that influence your decision. Money, support, party support, just friends maybe. Then thinking you're not good enough yourself. And it's important that young people get involved. Join a youth branch of a party. And then we need to listen to them. And John is one of the youngest councillors on Cork City Council. Atikan uh, says introducing any quota will not do anything to solve the problem of low pay for councillors in local office. This must be addressed before any introduction of any quota. I'm glad you bring that up, Atikan, because many people go on about councillors being on this kind of a gravy train. And actually, the pay for a councillor is very small. It's, you know, look, they pick up more on expenses and representation fees and all of that. But the pay for an actual councillor is very small. Uh, Kieran says every political party has a youth group. Why aren't they communicating with them on what they should bring forward to the doll for the young people? But sure, unless you're the relative of a politician and you're handed down the ticket, so you can't get into the game. Ah, that's not true at all. It's partly true. It seems to be true a lot, but it's not entirely true. On the CAO and the points and the downgrading and all of that, and so many disappointed people, and we are inundated with calls and messages about it. Anne says, when they say they were downgraded, they weren't. Points went up, which should be expected every year. It's terrible, and the system is wrong, but the points they got were the points they got. No, Anne, it wasn't, you see, because their school awarded them points, their teachers awarded them points, and then these points were passed up the line to the Department of Education and the state examinations and all that, who put them into a computer program which downgraded them. So that's, they were downgraded. So if people got a set of results sent up from their schools and the results that they got back were completely different in a lot of cases. We trusted the department. We thought they would see right by our children who've had such an awful year. My son was downgraded in five subjects, 55 points. He had enough for what he wanted. The mental health issues for these children going forward, let's pray that they won't be as bad as they could be I guess. Hope and pray the second round might be kinder to all those wishing to get their choices, says Rachel and then I said I haven't come across anybody who's upgraded and got a lot better than they thought it's a fair point. Do you really think people who were upgraded and got more than they expected given their historic results can ever tell you that? Yeah, I know, they probably wouldn't be inclined (laughs) Government wants to move on and ignore these youngsters. We'll never forgive the politicians on this one and this is just going to drag and drag for a little while longer so I've no doubt we will come back to it 1857 is the number the text to whatsapp 083 396 the email opinion at 96fm.ie PwC Cooper issued a major release in the last couple of days major press release on cyber crime and we have had an upsurge in cyber crime to the point where business fraud is at a record high, according to this survey. It's double 
the global average, the level of cybercrime in Ireland. And business fraud has cost companies millions in the last two years. And the pandemic has only served to make it worse. Will O'Brien is Director of Cyber Practice at uh, PwC and joins me. Will, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. We always knew there was a bit of it going on, but it's much more than a bit. Yeah, it is indeed. And, and look, I suppose there are some concerning findings from, from our survey. Um, as you alluded to, cybercrime um, being double that than, than experienced by our, our global peers. Um, and obviously the, the, the cost um, to companies is quite large, um, with, with, with some companies experiencing um, you know, an impact of more than four million in the last two years. What kind of things are... are are going on? What kind of crimes have been committed? Well, you, you mentioned COVID-19 and, and it, it's kind of like, it's, a, it's almost like the, the perfect storm um, for, for fraud and, and cyber crime. So if you look at, you know, every every Irish business has, has been disrupted as a result of COVID-19 and a lot of people now are working remotely and working from home. So cyber criminals are, are taking advantage of this um, and they're, they're using the COVID-19 crisis to perpetrate the likes of, of phishing attacks um, and vishing attacks, which are, are voice frauds where, where, where you get a call on your mobile and someone will try and perpetrate a fraud or, or, or dupe you into um, parting with your financial information yeah. or even or even smishing, which is where you see a fraudulent text message and the cyber criminals will, will direct you through to a fraudulent link, again, trying to get you to impart with uh, sensitive information like your, your banking details. Yeah. Didn't one of the banks get badly caught by that during the summer? That's right. Um, uh, Bank of Ireland were, were, were in the news as a result of that. Um, but, but and it looked look, extremely legitimate. It looked completely kosher-like. Well, look, I suppose the cyber criminals used Bank of Ireland um, as a method to dress up their fraud. So, so Bank of, you know, again, like that, they, they used the Bank of Ireland bro- brand and, and I suppose they, they used the brand then to trick um, unsuspecting customers um, yeah. who clicked on fraudulent links that were issued by, by the cyber criminals. Yeah. The dream for these criminals, of course, is to catch a small business and convince them that this is their bank and clean them out. It is. And, and you know, look... You know, cyber criminals are, are, are quite opportunistic. Um, a lot of what they can do can be automated, but if they find a vulnerability or a weakness within a small business, they will target it, and 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 and, and they can be quite effective. And I suppose the major challenge is once you lose money from your bank account, it can travel um, to multiple bank accounts in in multiple jurisdictions, and it can result in it being extremely challenging for for the guards to recover that money. Yeah. What can your average small business do uh, to avoid being hit? Like more and more, and again, bring the pandemic into the conversation here. The pandemic has forced people to do stuff online that they never dreamt of doing online. So there are that opens all sorts of pitfalls. Yeah, it does. Um, but, but, but look, I, I, I think there are, there are some kind of really simple steps. Um, I, I think having, having clear messages and communications to your staff, um, making them aware of the site type of scams that are out there, like the phishing scams, the vishing scams, and, and the, the smishing scams that are there. 
Um, and, and, and I suppose empowering them to ask the right questions. So, so again, if they get a call or if they get an email, asking them to impart with sensitive business data to challenge themselves and ask them questions that is this right and 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 you know ultimately create a culture within a small business to you know um, report a suspicious activity um, to to a senior manager or, or or the business owner. If it feels wrong, it probably is. That's it exactly. If, it's, if it feels like that, it's it's too good to be true, and uh, we often see it with kind of these types of investment scams where. People are being offered an opportunity that is, is too good to be true, and, and you need to challenge yourself. Is like number one, like why am I being offered this opportunity, and why is someone phoning me up out of the blue that I don't know, offering me a once in a, a lifetime opportunity? Mm. So again, you, you need you need to ask yourself those questions and look if if it is too good to be true, you know, it, it, uh, if it feels like it's too good to be true, then it likely is. I've spoken to people who were victims of this will on a small scale and on a larger scale. And every time that I do, I get messages and calls and texts saying, ah, yeah, but aren't you an awful fool? I wouldn't be caught like that. No one will ever catch me like that. But I'm sick of saying, actually, they will because they're good at it. They know what they're doing. Am I right there? Absolutely. And look, we've seen cases where you know, cyber criminals will will break into a company's email account, and 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 they'll sit in the background for a number of weeks, and they'll monitor the communications, the emails that come in and out of the organisation, and they'll wait for the opportune moment. So what they'll what they'll do is they, they they'll take over an employee uh, email account, and then they'll 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 send an unsuspecting uh, another employee, maybe in another department, um, with a very realistic email. But within that email, there could be a malicious link um, or it could be looking for a money transfer to a fraudulent bank account. So, again, you know, it, it can be quite easy, easy to be caught. And, and again, it's just, you know, people need to be vigilant and aware of the, of the risks that are out there. So where can people get help to avoid it? Well, look, I, I think I think the, the government are, are, are quite proactive in this area. Um, you have the National Cyber Security Centre, um, and the government have a, have a Make It Secure website for small businesses. Just again, creating awareness um, around around the common techniques are used, and then obviously in terms of they, they offer guidelines and steps that small businesses should take to to uh, reduce their reduce their their cyber risk. But, you know, look, a key message for, for any, you know, business owner out there is to, you know, take action, um, you know, um, inform your staff uh, about the risks that are out there and, and, and protect your, your, your sensitive data, your sensitive customer data um, and ensure then that you, you, you're, getting, you're getting support from, um, you know, your, your IT security providers. Um, and again, just you know, asking them the, the right questions about your, 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 your sensitive customer data and making sure it's secure, making sure that it's encrypted and it, 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 making it challenging for cyber criminals to get access to your sensitive uh, business data. Okay. Will, thank you very much. That's Will O'Brien, Director of uh, Cyber Practice at PwC. Be wary. Don't be the one who says they'll never catch me. Because they're the ones that will get caught. 1850 715.
996. Remember a discussion on another radio programme recently where a man was done out of thousands, thousands. And I was relaying it to a friend of mine later. He said, what a terrible idiot he was. (laughs) He was a guard. He wasn't an idiot. He knew about crime. He knew about fraud. But these people are so good at what they do that they will know who they're targeting. They don't randomly target people. They know who they're targeting. Um, is that a relay? A, 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 I'll, I'll take a break and read that because that looks like an interesting one. 1850-715-996. For 20 minutes of the best music mix. And everything Cork. On Cork's 96FM. Check out new music all this week from the likes of Joel Corey and Cork band True Tides. We hear from the stars. Here's Gaga. I love you. Stay safe. And I might sound like a broken record, but wear a mask. Did you know Ed Sheeran? Not a big fan of TV. You know, I'm not a big TV watcher. I kind of like, if it's on, I watch it. On air, online, and on your smart speaker. And Tobin. Weekdays from midday. With the White Rabbit Barn Barbecue. A brand new look with the same great food and service. See whiterabbit.ie. Corks 96 FM. Corks Gold. Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 Corks 96 FM. Yeah, call was on to Katie relaying something that happened to them that they got a, a phone call uh, literally saying, This is the bank here. This is your bank. And we know, can see from your account that even though you don't deal with Amazon, a thousand euro has been taken from your account by someone purporting to be Amazon. And we'd just like to reimburse you. So here's a phone call you're supposed to be getting from your bank saying, listen, we know you don't deal with Amazon, because they can check, uh, but they've just taken a thousand euro off you and we'd like to give it back to you. Uh, Now the caller put their phone down straight away and went into the account and of course there was no problem whatsoever. But what the fraudster wanted to do was to get access to the bank account so they could go in, take out the thousand and then say they were chasing Amazon down which, of course, was never going to happen. But that caller was on the ball. Uh, I'd only just come back and from that particular call, and there they were again, saying they wanted to help me, and they didn't know what happened. And they kept calling until she just ignored them. But it's, some, it's something you're not expecting, and you're not happy with it. Just terminate the conversation straight away. But don't ever think for a split second that they won't get you, because they will. They're very, very good at it. Now, let's go back to one of our first subjects from this morning. Uh, we talked to Shirley at the start of the show about the weight of school bags and, and other things like that. But she brought up the subject of uh, her daughter's school, which has a rule now that girls must wear skirts. And she said that a few years ago, they had a choice between skirts and trousers. But then the new principal announced skirts only. And we got a couple of other messages to say that is also the case in their schools, that some schools are just saying girls have to wear a skirt. Now, in 2020, I can't understand a rule like that. I think my daughter probably possesses about three skirts. And it's all trousers she wears, trousers and jeans and leggings and all those things. 
Girls don't wear skirts very much anymore, I would have thought, in 2020. Certainly not teenagers. It's just not the done thing, unless a particular skirt becomes fashionable and then they'll wear it. But why force them to wear a skirt in school? I don't see the point. Do you, Kaz? Good morning. And I, I don't either. I think um, it kind of goes back to, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a meme that goes around and it says, I want my child to be independent, critical thinking, um, and, you know, uh, independent, critical thinking, and be able to make the decisions for themselves, just not while I'm raising them. And it kind of goes back to that. You know, we want our kids to grow up to be functioning adults who can critically think, make, you know, judgments based on the information that they have at hand, but yet we want to suppress them at every turn. And I just think that um, there's a culture of disempowering children in Ireland where we just, we still have a little bit of a mentality of, you know, the kids should be saying yes or no, sir, three bags full, sir. So what I have been saying there in my message with Fergal was that um, it's one of the main reasons that I'm so happy that we have an Educate Together school and why we're campaigning so hard to get a secondary school for Educate Together in East Cork. Because the ethos that we live by is equality-based, co-educational, child-centred and democratically run. So our kids don't wear a uniform going to school. Um, our kids, uh, I, one of my little ones went into school one day wearing a ball gown. She was absolutely ridiculous. Everybody was golfing at her. She looks completely stupid, but she's getting her <laughs> academic results. Mm-hmm. She went in happy with a big grin on her face, happy out, uh, you know, doing very, very well in school. And I, I just think that if you, if you look at the kids in our school, they all come out with, you know, fantastic manners. And they all come out really um, global citizenship aware. They're very much into the environment. They're very much into teamwork. So they're very. It's not all me, 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 I'm entitled to this, I'm entitled to that. So I think if you are going to have rules which are necessary for society, absolutely, then like other people have said, let those rules make sense. So if you're just trying to exert power over somebody and say, you know, you can only wear this, and it is usually only over girls, um, you know, again, misogyny and sexism coming to the role. Mm. Are you against the idea of a uniform, class? I'm not against the idea of a uniform. I chose Educate Together. One of the reasons was because they don't use a uniform, but mainly I chose it for the ethos. Now, if you're going to have a uniform, that's fine. If I'm going to send my kids to a school that has a uniform, that's fine. But if you're going to insist that my kid wear a skirt just because, and you can't give me a better reason than just because, then I'm not going to send. I am lucky. I have the luxury of choice. Not everybody has that luxury of choice. And what and, you know, what if you have a child who's non-binary? What if you have a child who's presenting as you know the traditional male, but is actually a non-binary? And what if that child wants to wear a skirt? You know, well, that, like, that arose in the UK where legislation that does exist, and of course we didn't know about it until we read about it. That there was a. A school, and I can't recall where it was, but it, it was a, a school where this one particular little boy just wanted to wear a skirt. He, he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't de- de- declaring himself trans, anything like that. He just wanted to wear a skirt. And the teacher yeah. sent him home on the first day, and he yeah. said, "I'm like wearing skirts. I want to wear a skirt. It's in the school colours. I'm going to wear a skirt." And eventually, he won his right to wear Good. the skirt. Now, but the. First example that we had this morning was a school whereby five years ago you could a, a girl had a choice, yeah. But now true, that yeah. choice has been taken from them, and for the living life of me, I cannot understand why you would do that. That to me, I don't, I don't know the full circumstances. I heard that lady discussing it with you this morning, and that is the extent of my knowledge on the situation. So I can't claim that I know any more. But what I do know is that if that were our principal, I think our principal is amazing. He actively involves parents, he actively involves the children. There is no unilateral decision making. Again, it comes back to 
you know, equality-based and a democratically-run school. That, that wouldn't happen in our school, you know. So if you're going to have a rule, then that's fine. I have the luxury of saying, I'm not happy with that rule, I'm not going to send my kid there. But not everybody has that luxury. And at least give the parents the common courtesy of explaining what that rule is. It's very much a lot of policing of girls' bodies in schools as well. And I think you're basically saying to kids what you wear and how you present yourself physically is more important than your education. You know, and we have all of this drama now going on with the leaving cert again because kids are just being swept under the carpet. You had a conversation this morning about young people not getting involved in politics, but why would they? We're suppressing all you hear on the radio, um, and to be fair, you're very good about it, you don't let people get away with it, is, oh, all the teenagers, all the young people, they're this, they're that, they're the next thing. Now, there are a certain element of teenagers and young people who don't behave appropriately, who aren't, you know, taking precautions with COVID and all of that. How many adults are there that are doing the exact same? You know, like we, we very much. Well, I'd rather take the approach rather than, rather than the what about question of how many adults. I'd rather think it's some, not all, some. Just exactly. like it's some adults, it's some kids. Just like exactly. some people drink too much. Please don't try and tell me we all drink too much. Exactly. And you have some schools who enforce ridiculous rules for the sake of having power, for the sake of, you know, big beating of chests. I'm the one in charge. That's great. You're the one in charge. But all the kids that you're supposed to be in, taking care of and helping guide into the future, they're unhappy under your leadership. Yeah. It's just another, it's a mini little dictatorship. And what I just don't a, think there's any... What about the push. argument, Kaz, that, that I've heard come up over the years, in that uh, whether it be a school uniform or whether it be a particular type of haircut or the fact that you can't wear an earring or you mm-hmm. have to wear a particular kind of shoe. And, yeah. and parents will always say, and the pupils will say, what's that got to do with my education? What's that got to do with my maths and my French and my English? Mm-hmm. Here's the counter. Life yeah. imposes rules upon us. Yeah. Sometimes these are rules we don't understand, but we have no choice but to go on with them if we want to be part of society. Where better to learn this than in school? Yeah, and I think that's a very fair point. I think you're, there's going to be times in life where you do just have to suck it up. And I think where you should be learning that is through your parents and with the help of the school. It's our, it's our job as parents to teach our kids that. We can't just force that onto the kids. But likewise, that's where the role of activism comes into play. If we're not happy with things, we had water protests. We had you know protests against homelessness. We're still fighting against direct provision. So we have to teach our kids the activists. One girl in that school put in a petition that was ignored according to that one that you were talking to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So we have to accept them to not just blindly accept authority because that's what happened in Nazi Germany. That's what's happening in America. People are just blindly going along. You know, and we have so many people then fighting against. Yeah. You know, so we have to teach our kids if something doesn't stay true to who you are as a person, mm. then you can fight against it. And do you accept at all the argument that, yeah, well, you've got to wear a skirt or you must wear black shoes or you must wear your hair a particular way whether you be a boy or a girl for example they won't let boys they used in my time let boys have shoulder length hair right and though learning to follow those rules helps you in later life to follow something like you have to wear a seatbelt when you drive a car well I don't think so like if you don't wear a seatbelt you're putting yourself in mortal danger that's not the same as wearing your hair down or having a red streak in it like, they had to pass a law in New York in the last 12 months to make it illegal to discriminate against how black women wear their hair. That's yeah. where we've gotten to. It's ridiculous. You can get a job. I've worked in multi-global um, corporations, um, and in one corporation alone, in Cork, which has a very, very big employee, employee base, 
we had people who would have, you know, rainbow colored mohawks in their hair coming into business meetings, getting huge respect because of the value of their knowledge on the subject that they were discussing. Yeah. You know, so you're not like, it's only the norm if the people in power continue to perpetuate it as the norm. The norm until, you know, the 1960s was segregation. Yeah. You know, the norm in, in Ireland was the Magdalene Laundry. The norm in Ireland was the mother and, and baby homes. The norm in Ireland now is direct provision. So if the norm is harmful to people's mental health and their spirits, then we have the right as educated people to fight against that norm. Good call. All right, Kaz. Great talking to you. And you take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. 1850-715-996. She says it's sexist, it's misogyny to enforce the rule that a little girl must, or any girl, must wear a skirt. Um, Bernie says if it's the rule, it's the rule. Schools are at their best when they're enforcing rules. But Kevin, if someone can give me one valid reason why girls have to wear a skirt, I wear a Manchester United top and make it my avatar for the season. Can someone come up with a rule? Please, quick, just give me one valid reason. I need to see this. This will break Twitter. Kevin in a Man United top. (laughs) 1850-715-996. Getting back to the scammers, Paddy says, no one will ever be caught in a scam unless they're caught by scammers. Oh, I know what you're saying, Paddy. I know what you're saying. You always say, it'll never be me. And then suddenly, it is. Yeah. 1850-715-996. Let's pop to Blarney. Nothing is scummier in society than damaging a defibrillator or damaging an important piece of infrastructure that could save a life. It's the lowest form of scumbaggery to... I just made that word up. The lowest form of scumbaggery to destroy a defibrillator. And it's happened, I think, not once but twice in Blarney in recent times. Kate, good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, I like scumbaggery. Yeah, I like that. I think that could take on... <laughs> but I you've had uh, the defibrillator. Is it twice you've had it damaged? Oh yeah. I mean, it's been up for over five years now, and we've only ever before had one small incident, which turned out to be an accident. And um, so then, not last weekend, the weekend before, um, somebody's passing and said, "Oh, the the perspex that holds it in was broken." So obviously, the defibrillator's hanging out. The key had gone, and these are heat-sensitive boxes because obviously they're, they're power-fed um, yeah. because they have to kept warm. So I had to go out, get it, Kieran in Ahmed, who's an absolute superstar, came out and he fixed it, no charge, which I'm sure he does all the time, but I mean, Kieran's not running a registered charity either, you know. Yeah. Um, so Kieran came out, fixed it, that was great, oh, everyone's delighted, friend, and then I get a call uh, the weekend again, somebody had done the same thing again. So we're now at the stage where we're going to have to put CCTV up. Um, just to mind a piece of equipment in a small village that, that people are so grateful to have. Uh, well, the majority, obviously. So it's just silly. It's just, just a bit disheartening, isn't it? Yeah. You you have to ask yourself, like, what is broken in mm. a person who would damage something like that? I know. I mean, there's no gain in it. You can understand somebody stealing a loaf of bread if they're hungry or, you know, you various things you can kind of get your head around whilst they might, you might like them, but there's just no sense or reason to this. I mean, it is used. And at the moment, I think we're, we're, we're so dependent on each other as neighbours um, at this time. And thanks to Deborah and, and the guys who train, there's so many people in the village trained in the use of CPR and defibrillation use that, it, you know, it 
it does go out when I say quite regularly. A couple of times a month you'll get a call, it'll be gone, the pads need replacing. Like it's really valuable in in a small place because unless there's an ambulance on your doorstep and you have a heart attack, then you're going to be in trouble unless yeah. somebody intervenes. So it's, yeah, it's it's a shame. Now, I suppose the good side of it is we got hundreds of messages, literally, of people offering to say, said, start a GoFundMe, we'll pay for CCTV. Mallow Road Motors said they'd pay for it. Griffin Security did. But one of our... Um, first responders is a guy called John Foley and he runs Crime Stopper Security so he's very kindly at no cost to us going to put up CCTV this week. Oh, good for him. Yeah, so that's that's fantastic and so many people offered and I thought trying to find a positive out of it, it reminds people they're there you put up a list of where the other ones are um, perhaps it makes people watch out for things a little bit more because it, like, it belongs to all of us, it's not our defibrillator, it's for the village, it's to keep us all safe. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's good. That's good. Give me the name again of the guy who's d- John Foley in oh. Crime Stoppers. Ah. Um, he's and he's also one of our volunteer responders. He's just an all-round good guy. So yeah. he's putting that up at his own cost. So thanks very much to John for that. Good for him. Decent skin. All right, yeah. listen, Kate. Thank you very much for that. And thanks, have, have the guards any idea who did this? No, I don't think so. And there was an incident as well at the castle. Like the castle have done massive work, and kept the place open and kept us all sane while we, so we could enjoy it while we're in lockdown and they have a beautiful bird hide and that was destroyed at the weekend as well yeah. um, you know it's just wanton vandalism Dispiriting you know, or, is what it is. Yeah, you know, or scumbaggery as you call it <laughs> call it what you will but that's what it is that's the new word Kate yeah. thank you very much 1850 715 996 that's Kate Durant in, in Blarney I think yeah we might I think we might try and uh, copyright that word for the opinion line uh, the height of scumbaggery there's something coming out of cabinet Um, I'm going to take a break I'm not too sure that we can actually go live I'm looking around here for a channel but I don't seem to have one but we have some of what's been announced in the last couple of minutes that's next Cork's 96FM and Cork City Council present Culture Night Cork City Friday September 18th Friday September 18th Connect through culture with free events physical, online and hybrid in over 60 city venues from dancing and film music and art to theatre and literature venues across the city will open their doors both virtually and in reality for one night only including a live streamed performance from City Hall Concert Hall with the Van Quartet for the entire family on Friday, September 18th only. See more on Facebook and Twitter at Cork City Arts or check out Culture Night Cork City on Instagram. Visit culturenightcork.ie for the full program with Cork City Council, The Echo and Echo Live and Cork's 96FM. Okay, I can go live into that briefing now from the Taoiseach. He just said after six months of this pandemic, I understand people's exhaustion. We have a lot more clarity of how we get to the next six months how we live and work with COVID-19, not just in essential areas, but in all areas of our social and cultural life. Uh, thanks, Fergus, for all the notes. I think I'll just try and go live and see what he's Current saying. Current COVID numbers in Dublin are very worrying. And the government has also agreed today to introduce additional measures based on the recommendations of NEFIT to suppress the spread. And I would say to the people of Dublin and indeed the country, rising rates of infection can be reversed by concerted public action and by all of us ad- adhering to the guidance and taking this personal responsibility. Let's sit on this for a couple of minutes. And see Today the government also crucially approved a 600 million euro winter initiative package to develop and protect our health services 
through what will be a very uh, significant period of challenges up to next March. This plan shows how we will strengthen also business and employment as we live with COVID. Key business supports will remain in place until March 31st next year. The pandemic unemployment payment will now be open to new entrants uh, to the end of the year. And a series of local activation measures will be put in place. There have been no restrictions currently on persons coming into the country, as we do need to keep travel routes open in order to stay connected and to keep supply chains open. The Government has decided to broadly support the European Commission proposals on travel as the best way of achieving this. So we will continue to engage with Member States and the Commission to finalise an approach which is consistent with public health requirements while supporting our needs as an island. In the interim, the current Department of Foreign Affairs Travel Advisory Normal Precautions list will be updated in line with this new proposed European framework. The third pillar of the plan is about helping our communities. Local wellbeing initiatives will be supported. And we all recognise the role of sport in building our sense of community. The Government has, allowed, has agreed to allow limited crowds to attend sporting events under specific conditions. During this pandemic, the absence of live arts and culture events has reminded us again how important they are to us as a people. Creativity has never been as important, and we understand the huge impact which has been felt by all who work in the arts sector. This plan allows access to theatre, cinema and music events in small, controlled settings. There is simply no doubt about the negative impact on mental health of this pandemic, and the plan proposes to implement a national ap approach to increase mental health supports. <clears throat> Underpinning the measures in this plan and the new framework for deciding on restrictions will be a revised decision-making procedure. NEFIT will remain as the key body providing public health advice to government. And I want to say once again how much I value the work of NEFIT and the urgency which they show at all times when seeking to protect the Irish people. In addition, a new group chaired by the Secretary-General of my department will coordinate proposals for acting on public health advice and implementing measures, and permanent coordination between departments will be enhanced. This is a comprehensive and detailed plan for how we will respond to the ongoing threat of COVID, limiting its deadly impact and allowing us to move forward as a country. It puts in place a framework for rapidly managing outbreaks when they occur. It shows how we can restore more of our economic and community life. It sets out our determination to strengthen our country's recovery. During the pandemic, there has been a lot of reflection about our resilience as a country. Because COVID has had many sides, medical, social, economic and cultural. And it's only human to feel deeply the downsides, the deaths of spouses, relations, friends, many in the harrowing circumstances of being isolated from the, the, their loved ones at the end of their lives. But it has one great positive... We'll listen to the Taoiseach outlining the latest arrangements or latest plans for dealing with COVID-19 over the next couple of months. I'm going to stay with this uh, for the remainder of the programme today. This is Michal Martin outlining the plans for the next six months. No failure of nerve, 
no lack of courage, either in our people or in our society. We have overcome much bigger challenges in the past and will also overcome this challenge. Because resilience isn't just about standing strong in the face of a challenge. It's also about knowing what you value in order to protect it. It's about being flexible. And it's about working to build back better and stronger than you were before. We have set out a clear plan for the next six months when we will both manage the virus and continue to rebuild key services and supports. Thank you, Thijuk. Six months ago, I first spoke to you about the coronavirus. Since then, we've been through a lot as a country. There have been days of fear as well as days of hope, reasons for optimism <coughs> as well as days of suffering and loss. Although some of the faces delivering the message may have changed, the essential message remains the same. Can we stay with Tonish to leave right for a things, few minutes? We can protect each other. From the beginning, we knew we were in this together. Now we need to know that we can get through this together as well. I know many people are feeling frustrated, impatient, even anxious, and we all want to be able to plan our lives. And so many of our livelihoods depend on having certainty about the future. Unfortunately, nothing is certain about COVID-19. It cares little for our plans. However, we have reasons to be hopeful as a country. We're guided by all we've learned about the virus in the past few months. And we have confidence that we can do this because of what we've learned about each other. We've changed the way we live, the way we work. And today's plan sets out steps to keep the virus under control, how we can anticipate and understand how to live our lives for the next six to nine months. And where setbacks occur, the steps that will be taken to reduce the risk of COVID-19 spreading out of control. So this is a plan to protect you, your family and friends, our community, our jobs and businesses. <clears throat> Throughout this pandemic, Irish businesses, large and small, have shown remarkable grit, resolve and adaptability in the face of unprecedented challenges. Business models have changed, premises refitted, staff retrained, people are working from home. And all of us do understand the deep concern that business owners have about the potential of business failure. So economically, our focus is to help businesses to open, stay open, to keep staff on and customers safe. And the government has and will continue to back enterprise and protect workers as best we can. As you know, we're backing business with wage subsidies, targeted tax breaks, cash grants, low-cost loans. And where local restrictions have been put in place, government has responded and will again. In the Budget and the National Economic Plan, the government will review existing financial supports for business, paying particular care and attention to businesses mandated to stay closed and sectors that have been disproportionately affected. Recognising the impact on workers of future business closures and local restrictions during this pandemic, the pandemic unemployment payment will not be closed to new entrants as had been planned, nor to those sadly laid off for a second time. For most of the country, today brings some good news. In 25 counties, pubs will open on September 21st. 50 people indoors and 100 people outdoors will be able to gather in controlled environments. 
200 in large stadia. For one county, it's a little different. So I want to make a special appeal to the people of Dublin. The situation in our capital is worrying and has deteriorated in the past few weeks. The level of the virus circulating in our city and county has increased more than tenfold in the past two months. The positivity rate is around 3.5% against around 2% in the rest of the country. If this continues, it may not be possible to keep the virus out of our hospitals, nursing homes and factories, no matter how hard we try. We'll experience a second wave of hospitalizations, people needing admission to ICU, and sadly more deaths. Perhaps the virus has become less deadly. Perhaps we've just got better at treating it and at shielding the vulnerable and the elderly. Perhaps, as some speculate, a second wave will be much less serious than the first. But speaking as a Dubliner, I don't want us to take that chance. So for the next few weeks, we're asking people of Dublin City and County to take particular care and to follow what are essentially the four Ws. Not to welcome any more than one or other household into your home, and the same applies to when you're socialising outside of it. To wash your hands, if you can't remember how many times, or if you, rather you can remember how many times you've washed or sanitised your hands today, it's because you haven't done it enough. To watch your distance, to try to keep at least two metres apart from people at all times as best you can, and where that's not possible, to wear a face mask or a face covering. This is September, the month in which Dublin usually shows the country what we're made of, and that's what we have to do now. We can flatten the curve in Dublin again, and in doing so, protect the rest of Ireland from its spread. Last spring, when faced with an unprecedented crisis, we came together as a country, and we were at our best. Today's ask from government is even harder. We're asking people to see this through to the end, however long it takes, no matter how heavy the burden, and to do this for each other. Okay, I'm going to leave that there and, and pull away from it. But basically what he has said to us is that from midnight tonight, we will all be back to stage two uh, of the five stages. I'm sure there'll be plenty of detail on the five stages during the day. We'll be all at stage two, with the exception of Dublin, which will be kind of stage two plus, where they are not opening the pubs in Dublin and they are putting restrictions on household gatherings and restrictions on all sorts of gatherings for the foreseeable uh, next couple of weeks I think at least so that's the story and the weddings can go up to 100 people from midnight tonight and also we can I think expect to get some crowds back at sport uh, everybody except Dublin over the next couple of weeks. We'll have far more detail on this, I expect, by tomorrow. But we've been following the Taoiseach and Tanish to there for the last while. Uh, we are about to enter a five-stage plan. We will all enter at stage two. Dublin kind of at stage two plus. Hopefully they won't have to put it up to stage three, which is I think what they are saying to us this morning. Stage four would be severe restrictions and stage five would be pretty much back to where we were in March with almost entirely lockdown. Stage one is where we're pretty much out of it. And we're nowhere near that yet anywhere. So that's the plan as being announced live there from Taoiseach and Tonishta this morning.
Uh, no doubt more detail, far more detail on this in the programme tomorrow. With regard to the uh, defibrillator in Blarney, Anne says if something was to happen to someone that night and the defibrillator couldn't be used and the unimaginable happened, surely the person who damaged it is essentially a murderer. It's worth thinking about. That's it. Uh, the programme today edited by Fergal Barry, produced and researched by Katie O'Keefe. We'll see you tomorrow, just after nine.